from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This episode of Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by Pip-Pip and Cheerio. Instead, it's brought to you by CrimeCon. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, CrimeCon is happening again this year, 2018, on May 4th through 6th in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to be there. There's going to be a bunch of other big-name podcasters and TV hosts and writers and crime investigators overall. So, you want to be there. So go to CrimeCon.com and use the promo code SIDEWAYS to get 10% off. Can't wait to see you there. This episode is also brought to you by Stitcher Premium. If you want to get the episodes early, four days early as a matter of fact, and you want to get them ad-free, you're welcome to do so by going to stitcher.com slash thinking sideways and signing up for Stitcher Premium. If you use the promo code sideways, you will get one month free if you sign up for the 12-month plan. And by the way, there's also going to be some extra bonus content thrown in there once a month. So it's a good time to have by all. Go there. Enjoy. We'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I am Devin, joined as usual by Joe and Steve. Today we're going to talk about a mystery. Yeah. Weird. A disappearance, in fact. Even weirder. It's like true crime, kind of. Mm -hmm. Crazy. That actually is kind of crazy. (laughs) It's a celebration of crime con, so we're going to talk about crimes for a little while. Yeah. That works for me. We're going to talk about the 1974, so super recent, disappearance of 17-year-old Amy Billig, who disappeared while hitchhiking to her father's office or art gallery or Or something. something. His place of work. His place of work. P-O-W. Yeah, Yeah. P-O-W. To his pal. Uh, There have been some reported leads over the past 40-some years about her whereabouts, but she has never been found, nor have any remains or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Quick warning, there is a moment of discussion on some sexually explicit stuff, so big and little ear warnings for that, if that's mm-hmm. not and your jam. Huge ear warnings, too, you know, all sizes. Yeah. And finally, before we hop in, I want to thank listener Christy for being the first person to suggest this mystery. Hey, thank you, Christy. <laughs> if you yeah. suggested something recently, you may have found that we started saying, oh, yeah, it's on the list. And we might have stopped adding names to the list. Well, so. I add them. 
So hey, that's good for you. Yeah, go ahead, I know. these Christy, guys are lazy. They send don't. in your self-addressed and stamped envelope, and we will return you your prize. <laughs> we don't actually do that. We don't. Star, which is your self-addressed stamped envelope, back to you uh-huh. from Portland, oh, Oregon. Empty. Yeah, no, with a, a little junk mail tucked into it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody, you really want to suggest yeah. stories? It's fine. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Let's. Amy was born on January 9th, 1957, to loving parents and a reportedly normal home. She had at least one brother. I've only ever seen reports of one brother, but... I never even heard what his name is, actually. I did see it, and I don't remember it because he is such a small player. or something. He's a small player in the story. I I read an article with him. It was an interview with him because he was only a couple years younger, is still i guess i don't know he's still a couple years younger um but i don't i don't remember his name i'm really sorry i'm sorry dude if you're listening yeah looking at really good research right off the top (laughs) uh it's not that important she was enrolled in high school at the time of her disappearance amy enjoyed music including playing both the flute and the guitar (laughs) she was an avid reader and writer and wanted to was thinking about becoming an actress at the time because she was 17 exactly she was also a very dedicated vegetarian and generally described as kind of a flower child, free spirit, sort of empathetic. empathetic. Yeah. So she was a child of the 60s. It yeah. was like, that crap was a lot more popular back in those days. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really clear how this works, the layout of the day that she disappeared. But on the day of her disappearance, which was a Tuesday, um, March 5th, 1974, she came home from school at noon for lunch, which sounds like it was the end of her day for that day. You know, she was a senior, so sometimes you get, you know, you have your half days because you stacked your courses that way. Sometimes, well, depending maybe... on the school, it's almost treated like college, where you do certain classes on certain days. That's and what so I she mean. Might not stacked have had your a days, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday afternoon class, totally, yeah. yeah. Or she just was skipping, and you know, she, her parents teenager. were okay yeah, with well, that. This, this was the early seventies, yeah. you know, like skip school, yeah, yeah. Uh, what but was she the worst did... that was going to happen? You I can mean, get a factory job. It's fine. It's fine, yeah. yeah. You can still afford an entire house and to raise a family of four on your salary. It's fine. Anyway, it sounds like that was the end of her day was at noon. She was coming home for lunch. Maybe she was skipping the afternoon. I don't really know. It's never, ever explained what was happening on that afternoon. So She was going to head off and do something with friends, apparently. At, later that day, yeah. Yeah. Um, Regardless, she went home on this Tuesday for lunch, and then she called her father, Ned, asking for some money either to go hang out with her friends or for lunch. It's kind of reported both ways. There's an alternate telling that um, she basically was just, she just went straight to his office or art gallery. I think they're one of the same. Ned, it sounds like, played the trombone trumpet? Trumpet, not trombone. And uh, owned an art gallery. That was what he did. So he so, did something trombone or artsy. Yeah. Okay, no, so it. she okay. needed money and she called him and said, hey, can I come get some money? And he said, yeah, you, you have yeah, to I'll play my trombone though. for a couple of minutes and I'll get it. Yeah, you yeah. got to listen to me play. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I had heard, by the way, just FYI, I, I think it was somebody on Reddit who said uh, he lived in Miami. He said they actually knew where her address was. Where his place of work was, they're about a mile apart. Yeah, it was not very person. far. It was yeah. not far. Yeah, but she so, literally could have walked in 20, 25 yeah. minutes. Oh, so it's 15 not 15 minutes, Christ. Yeah. Well, me anyway. Well, she was well, wearing she was heels. Wearing heels so. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and it's not clear again if she did go home and then go to the art gallery or just was headed from school to the art gallery. Either way, she had called him for some money, started walking there, never showed up. This was pre-cell phone, you will remember. Some of you will remember pre-cell phone times. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're old. Oh, we will. All of us in this room. Because we're all old. Yep, that's true. But so I think her dad probably just assumed she didn't, ended up not needing the money. So it's fine. I'll see her tonight. Uh, Teenagers, you know, they they do flake out sometimes. They're fickle. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe she found a $20 bill in her pocket or something. You know, I mean... It's yeah. fine. Uh, in those days, it would have been a five dollar bill. What I mean, you know, she found some money in her jeans at home or something, and decided, I know, I'm oh, I don't need it. Mostly jerking your chain, Devin. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, like I said, didn't show up to pick up the money. She also didn't show up to hang out with her friends, and I think her friends probably called the house again. This is a really severely underreported part of this story. This whole. How did it begin? How it happened? Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of frustrating because I feel like there's a lot of details in there that would have been really helpful to know. Yeah, I know. Like, I've never been totally clear on if her mother was at home when she arrived home or she talked to her mother or any of that stuff. Or what? Yeah. 
Yeah. Based on the stuff that her mother has said, I get the feeling that no, mom was not home. Yeah, I get the feeling that they don't really know if she went home or if she just right. had, had was heading straight to the art gallery. Reportedly, she went home and changed her clothes from her school clothes to her going out clothes and then was walking to her father's gallery. But that would since make sense. The friends very clothes of the time. Too. Yeah. And the friends didn't, you know, I guess they must have called or something, but otherwise the, her parents found out that she hadn't shown up and they thought, Oh, uh, she's probably missing then. Yeah. And I, the, my sense is, is that they reported her missing in the appropriate time frame, and that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. She was 17. Yeah. So they reported her missing. They did, yeah. And um, once that was kind of pushed out, some construction workers said that... Of course it was. They were working on her route from her home to the gallery, and they saw her walk past, which is why I think they f- figured she had gone home. They must they have said, like city workers, because they just stand around anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. was wearing a men- denim miniskirt and cork heels, so they... I guess we're the last people to have seen her. As a construction worker, you should be careful of just catcalling at every lady because it might be the last person she sees. Yeah, it's true. And then you're going to be guilty yeah. forever. Um, and I think I didn't mention this, but the road that she was walking down was a road called Main Highway in uh, the neighborhood Coconut Grove, which is in Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. It's often reported that she was hitchhiking along the road, but... Uh, you know, like Joe said, it was a mile. Was not that far. Why that bother hitchhiking? Far. Yeah. Um, you know, I know from reports from her brother, he said they hitchhiked around the neighborhood, and she particularly hitchhiked around the neighborhood all the time. That's just and, what you did at that. Yeah, time. and her parents knew about it, and they were like, "It's a friendly neighborhood. You know, it's it's safe. It's fine for you to hitchhike around the neighborhood." But again, it was only a mile, so I don't really know. Maybe the heels were uncomfortable. I've certainly been in that yeah. situation before, where. I put on some new shoes because I, you know, was feeling myself, and then or, started walking uh, and was like, "Oh my god, or why? Maybe, this is the worst." Or yeah, or maybe she's walking down the road and somebody she knew just stopped by and said, "Hey, yeah. Amy, want to ride?" Or even yeah. somebody she didn't know just pulled over and said, "Hey, do you want to ride down the road?" And she was well, like, is, "Yeah, okay." This is the era when truckers are not scary. Yeah, they are. You know, your long haul taxi service. Yeah. So a search at this point is conducted. It didn't come up with anything. The family and the people who knew Amy didn't feel like they she had just left voluntarily, like she hadn't run away from home. For the circus. For instance, yeah. Uh, and as far as I can tell, the police seem to have done their job, though, again, if if this story is start, starting to sound familiar to you and you don't really know why that is, it's because it was an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm, really? And as happens with these cases, it ends up, that most of the reporting is kind of whatever was in that episode. A lot of people re- report that stuff as being fact. Yeah. Well, not only is it yeah. fact, but it also means that if they leave out big chunks of the story, those big chunks of the story tend to get lost to history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. don't know a whole lot about the initial investigation because Unsolved Mysteries didn't seem to give a hoot about it. We, how many times have we talked about that? We have. We talk about it a lot. So this is, this is where actually you can actually be well served to get off the internet and go to your library and actually get a book about this stuff because mm-hmm. I've, I've done at, that in the past and you find a lot of stuff that you just can't find on the internet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. otherwise look at um, newspaper articles oh, yeah. or something like that is really, really great. I found a couple of newspaper articles that we had used the Wayback Machine for for yep. this one that was helpful, but they were still from, you know, the early 2000s. So mm. nothing nothing really from... Well, there was one from like 95, but well, nothing from say, the even, time. Even some of the older stuff that I found was very thin. Yeah. It because this was the time when you kids started disappearing and they, they maybe they were just uh they just ran away. Yeah. The reporting especially was always at, very light. Especially at 17. Yeah. You know, I think police often felt like, well, they just, you know, they went away and whatever. Yeah, she met a boy and yeah. she chased him and right. sorry mom and dad, but she's off happily she's off. living with the new boyfriend. Yeah. But um, like I said, it does appear that the police did their job. There was a lot of reporting, at least in the Florida area, about her disappearance. Um, a few days after her disappearance, a man who had heard about Amy's disappearance, I'm sorry, I keep saying disappearance, uh, turned in a camera. Start using the word evaporation. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. Evacuation, maybe. A man who had heard about Amy being missing turned in her camera which he said he had found near the Wildwood exit off the Florida Turnpike. 
I've always wondered about the camera thing. Was it like, was it labeled? It actually was, yeah. Oh, was it labeled? It was okay. right below the, um, um, under the lens. Was she had, Kodak? her name was written or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. But it actually was. Kodak keeps losing her camera. Yeah. Yeah. No. What? No. Um, but Probably used one of those sticker machines that embossed your yeah, name. Yeah, the one like, yeah. like, uh, the one like Bart Simpson had in that episode. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. 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 But um, for those of you who are not familiar with Florida, so like everybody, even most people who live in Florida. Absolutely. Um, the that exit of the turnpike is about 50 miles north of orlando florida which means that the camera was about 272 miles away from coconut grove so it's not like whoops you know on the way to the gallery she dropped her camera it's a big old drive well i there's a perfectly innocent explanation she probably pawned the camera Mm -hmm. uh because she did want money yeah pawned the camera because she was running away yeah exactly yeah no, and th- this does come with the caveat that it's really unclear if Amy had her camera with her when she disappeared or if it had even maybe been stolen prior. Her mm. parents, it sounds like, couldn't say, you know, for a couple of weeks even that they had seen Amy with the camera. So, you know, maybe she did pawn it because she was 17 and felt like she needed well, more money. She probably didn't pawn it. Maybe somebody stole it from it. her yeah. a couple weeks before, but also or she maybe it was. It to somebody or right. God knows what. Or know. maybe it was connected to the disappearance. It's almost impossible to tell. Three weeks after Amy went missing, Sue, uh, her Amy's mom. mom, Susan, Sue, I've been calling her Sue the entire time, but. I don't really know. I think she so goes I'm by really Sue sorry. Or went by Sue. I guess she's dead now. Yeah, but, uh... she did pass away. But sorry if that's not it. Anyway, Sue got a call in the middle of the night, or I guess the the Billigs did. Ned and Sue. Yeah, both of them have passed away. But Ned passed away in 1993. When the call started, they were both living and living together. Sue answered the phone, but it was dead air on the other end, so she hung up. In other words, nobody there, not even the breathing. Well, somebody no, there, it was breathing. Just, I mean, yeah. there could oh, have been breathing. She could hear the breathing? She didn't say she could hear the breathing, but it okay. wasn't just like dial tone or anything like that. Okay. Uh, so after she hung up, a few minutes after that, uh, the phone rang again. She answered dead air. A few minutes after that, when Sue answered the phone because it was ringing again, she was pretty sure at this point that it was Amy calling. Mm, from beyond the grave? No, just like, you know, to say, Mom, I love you, I'm safe, or something. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. anything. Mom, trying come to save me, come help right, me. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Sue started to plea with Amy. She was asking her to come home. She because was, that's who she believes is on the phone. Yeah, she's telling her she loves her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This goes on for almost five minutes, um, at which point Sue decides, okay, nobody, she's not going to say anything, right? Amy's not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hang up. So she hangs up and this goes on for a few weeks before the police get involved, which they did, which again, leads me to believe the police were really doing their job. Oh yeah. They started Florida. The police have to be on the ball down there. (laughs) They sure don't. Um, so when they did get involved, they started tracing the calls and found they were coming from a phone booth, uh, which they started staking out. Once they started their surveillance on this phone booth however the phone calls started coming from a different telephone booth how convenient it, yeah interesting i know somebody this, must have had an in at the police department yeah or something. this game of cat and mouse went on for a, a while and sue was getting these like silent calls they, they would kinda, they were able to kind of figure out there was i don't know four or five phone booths that who the caller was yeah in like a really... certain kind of radius yeah um and it was pretty much like there were four or five and they would stake one out and then they would still all the while still tracing calls and it'd be coming and the call would come from a different phone booth and they were just like, oh my God, what? But they, yeah, yeah. obviously this is not a big enough profile case to send cops to every one well, of I those. Well, I don't think they had the resources. Wait. It would take them like months to make a call sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. yeah that's what I mean. Yeah. They, they couldn't so, just stake well, it out. Yeah. Probably After, what it was is they were staking it out and then, and, then the, and then the caller would just walk up and like put up one of those one of those sandwich signs nearby where they could see it that said free donuts oh. and down the block or something. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I know what actually happened. Let's continue here. Okay. After five months of silent calls, the caller finally spoke. Um, so Sue was getting these calls a couple night at least. Pretty consistently at this point, there were just silence for five months. And then finally, uh, the, the caller did identify himself as Hal Johnson and told Sue, I have her. 
These calls continued for years, like we said, while while the police continued to search for Hal. They could not figure out which one of the booths he was going to make a call from. And as we said... How long would she be on the phone with him? A minute? A couple minutes. Sometimes it depends. She said, you know, when the silent ones were happening, she would sometimes sit on the phone for five minutes of dead air. Like, Mm -hmm. literally five minutes of dead air. But it seemed like she was always the one who hung up. It wasn't him, usually. So I don't really know. It just seems to me like what they should have done was put in a second line. And then when he calls, just call the police right away. They just go hit all those phone booths all at once, you know, and just bam, nab them. You, you would know. think, but so here not was the thing. Not a high-profile case. They're not going to do that. Well, <laughs> Why not? They were staking it out. There, there was a lot of trouble. They went to a lot of trouble. To, In the very, know. very beginning, yes. Yeah. But I have a feeling that by this point, enough time had gone by that they had given up. Well, so, I, I mean, they were also starting to suspect that Hal was able to identify their undercover cars. Mm-hmm. Because clearly, you know, they would stake out any given one and it just happened that he wasn't using that one. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. Yeah. They also, um, the other thing that's important here for people to know is that some nights um, Hal would call Sue literally like dozens of times in a given night. And then he would go months, sometimes like, you know, five months, six months without calling her at mm-hmm. all. So yeah. there was no real rhyme or reason, except for that whenever Sue was in the news locally, she could pretty much guarantee, guarantee that Hal was going to call her. And um, he said some pretty horrible stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of... Nice. Yeah. What, what happened is the calls escalated, right? So we said for a good five months, there was silence. Then for a couple months, he would just kind of say, I have her, and, you know, whatever. Then he... Um, he told Sue that Amy was learning quickly and that he was her, she was his sex slave. He, Just what a mother wants to hear. Yeah. He got really, really explicit and like a little weird. Um, some choice quotes from him include, um, I've smoothed her out. She knows just how to please. And I can tell you she knows how to use her mouth just in the right way. <sighs> yeah. What the fuck? Um, Sorry. Yeah, just what a parent uh, wants to hear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he eventually started tracing her movements even. He said that he was loaning Amy out to other men. He said that eventually he had, quote, sold her to the ragheads in Saudi Arabia, unquote. And that's Sorry. his quote. His uh, quote, not Sorry. mine. Sorry. Um, where she had, quote, perfected her art, unquote. Sorry about that, too. He, yeah, I'm sorry about all of this. He detailed really awful things that are way worse than anything I'd ever want to say on this podcast. Um, and these calls continued until 1993, which is 19 years of him just saying horrible, horrible, awful things. Mm. In 1993... It changed. You may remember we mentioned a few minutes ago that Ned, Sue's husband and Amy's father, passed he died away that year, didn't he? in 1993. At which point, after uh, Hal or after Ned passed away, Hal, the first call that sh- that Sue got from Hal after Ned passed away was um, he said, "You're all alone now, aren't you? You better watch your back." Mm-hmm. Nice guy, again. And then he started to detail some more stuff, basically saying that Hal, Hal said, we want you, because apparently he was part of some, like, organization. I don't really know. But basically they, quote-unquote, wanted Sue to join Amy because they'd gotten tired of Amy's age, which would would have been 36 at the time. Amy's age? Yep. Oh, I guess she would have been. She would have been thirty-six at that time. Yeah, enough. To, it, it really took that. That's long. right. It was twenty years. Yeah, yeah it was crap. twenty yeah. years. Yeah. So he he said that the, everybody had gotten tired of how old Amy was, so they wanted a mother-daughter duo, and they wanted it to be Sue and Amy. So Amy's too old, so mommy will make it better. Right. Okay. I don't really know. I don't really <laughs> I want to go that. into how where that goes in the brain. That's mostly but... a hole just jerking her. Around, oh God, I'm it's sure. really awful. Um. Anyways, the FBI got involved at this point and helped the police track the person who had been making these calls because you may or may not remember, 20 years is a long time, especially in this time period and especially as it pertains to technology. So as Hal had started making these phone calls at phone booths, cell phones became a thing and he started calling from a cell phone. Smart move, dude. Yeah. I'll never trace this. Well, so the thing that's really interesting here is... um, 
they almost might not have. Um, the FBI used some, it was a couple more years before the technology really, really caught up to the technology that Hal was using, but they finally were able to trace the cell phone number that Hal had been using for the last couple of years, which again, remember tracing technology, all of that sort of stuff that takes a while to catch up. So cell phones were a thing. It's a slow process. Yeah. So cell phones were a thing for a while before anybody could be tracing cell phones. They were able, the FBI was able to trace this cell phone number to an address, which the police went to check out. And it turns out the address was a federal drop site linked to the U.S. Customs. I know. A federal drop site as in, what's it, what, what do you mean by drop site? Like a, like a mailbox maybe? or a... No, I think it was just like a dead drop site. Like, you know, something that somebody would use to like drop off some packages behind a locked door or mm. whatever. It's never really oh, gone okay. into. I'm just making an assumption here. But it was a physical address okay, of something. Yeah. Okay. So. Right. so the police supervisor at this point, you know, the FBI says, okay, well... We linked it to this address. Go check it out. And the police go to check out the address and find out that it's this U.S. Customs thing. So the U.S. the police supervisor calls the branch of the custom U.S. Customs that was registered to this. I know I don't know how he figured it out, but anyway, and he says, um, "Hey, I have this phone number. I'm trying to trace. Can you tell me who it's linked to?" And the uh, the supervisor says, uh, "Take off, egg. Get out of here, Yahosa." <laughs> <laughs> he says, um, "Oh, none of your uh, bleep bleep business." Uh, which I know. <laughs> you gotta love those feds, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So the police decide. You know what? We know what will make the supervisor cooperate, and that is we Alive. have we have a number of tape recordings that Sue took with the with the approval of a judge. A judge, yeah. you know, years later, years earlier had said, yeah, you can record these messages for yeah. perpetuity or for, you know, voice recognition or whatever. So they played them for the supervisor. So they saying, took them down saying, Do to the office. Is this one of it wasn't even employees? just a, like, you're recognized, was it? It was just like a, listen to all of the really messed up stuff that this person has been dealing with for 20 years and recognize that a lot of them have been coming to a phone number registered to an address that you're in charge of. At that point, the supervisor said, okay. Well, he, oh. he, he didn't he say something like he called somebody else and he's like, I think I know who this is. It can't really be him, but I'm going to get so-and-so to come listen too. like mm-hmm. they, they had multiple people listen to it because they couldn't believe it. Right. But basically he just said, okay, yes, I'll cooperate. Yeah. You're right. It is. It is your business. My bad. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about theories because I bet you want to know who that might've been on the tape. Bad, bad man. We do want to yeah. know this. All right. It was Hank Blair was is our first theory. Okay. Was Hank Blair. Yeah. So that's actually what happened is the supervisor said, boy, I hope that's not Hank Blair, but it, sounds it sure sounds a lot, lot like, like him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, Hank talks to me just that way. <laughs> yeah. He says, yeah, I got your daughter. I yeah. smoothed her out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Henry Johnson Blair is actually his full name. Come on. Hmm. Didn't change your name very Al much, Johnson. did you? Yeah. This guy is like not, he was not careful at all. No. Yeah. He was a, is he's still alive a u.s customs squad leader well he was i'm sorry he was a u.s customs squad leader he is no longer a u.s customs squad leader he is alive still he had more than 24 years of law enforcement service under his belt so that meant that he started uh his pervy phone calls when he was like you know kind of a rookie police officer Uh he was actually uh um he was an air marshal at Uh that time uh, which we'll talk about in just a second here. Um, I just want to run through his kind of... Kind of makes you wonder about, do they give the air marshals any like psychological testing or anything like they that? They probably do Do now. they give police, <laughs> they do they give police and U.S. Customs people psychological testing? Probably. I thought they did. But, I mean, you know, people can pass this stuff. It's fine, yeah. yeah. Um, he was uh, highly decorated for breaking lots of different smuggling rings in Miami, um, recovered lots of stolen masterpieces for the government of Spain. He owned a house in the suburbs. He was, you know, your typical, like, high-ranking government wow. law enforcement official. High-ranking middle management, at least. Yep. He was, at the time, 48 years old. He, um, His wife was a top administrator at the South Miami Hospital. 
he apparently didn't even have a speeding ticket on his record. That's how clean he was. Well, he, he probably was... pulled out his badge every time he got pulled over and said, yeah. I'm on official business. Yeah. So his, uh, his law was... enforcement background obviously probably aided him in spotting these stakeouts at the Oh, at the phone for booth. sure, yeah. yeah. He had two daughters. One was 20 and one was 17. He was basically everybody, you know, he was that guy when the police came to take him away. Nobody in handcuffs, suspected. everybody said, oh, he's such a nice guy. Uh-huh. But he was always such a nice, quiet guy. Mm. But there you go. He was arrested pretty much on on site at the U.S. Customs. He was in the office at the time, and they just handcuffed him and took him away because a bunch of people identified his voice. And uh, he initially admitted to have calling had been calling Sue for three years prior, which I gather is about the how last long, three years of the calls. Yeah, which is what I I believe is how long that cell phone had been. It active and had been issued to him. So he didn't um, admit to the phone booth calls then? No, so, you know, and that makes sense to me, right? He, he said, well, I've had the cell, cell phone for three years, so they know for sure. Yeah. If, it, if I was doing it now, I was he doing it three years it ago. All right, he knows how it works. So he says, yeah, I would, yep, three years ago. Then um, during questioning, he admitted to the additional 17 years. Um, so, so it was uh, 20 years altogether. What makes me curious about this guy is, did he do this to anybody else, or was it ex- exclusively Sue Billig that I don't he made know. the calls to? I don't know the answer to that. And um, he would probably not tell. No. For good reason. Yeah, yeah. so uh, when he lawyered up, because you lawyer up, his lawyers actually said they were entering a plea of not guilty to the two counts of felony uh, stalking. Well, you know, I, if I were his lawyers, I would use the big phone defense. Mm. Yeah, big phone. His lawyers yeah. picked, uh, decided to do something even skeezier, even, even more shameless, even even <laughs> yeah. more awful, and claim, maybe even. and claim that the calls uh, between um, Hank and Sue were consensual. You're going to have to explain that in this theory because that that took me a long well, time to wrap she, my head around, and I had to stayed, do a lot of reading on. Well, I think probably probably the theory is let's put on my shameless hat here probably. You know, he called and uh, she stayed on the phone and didn't just hang it right up. And so she he took answered that, the phone. So it's that, consensual. Well, she answered the phone. That's not consensual. But she stayed on the phone is probably what the, the lawyer said. Well, if she didn't like the phone calls, why didn't she just hang it up? Instead, she just stayed on the phone and listened to his stuff. That's probably mm, what the yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I know, I, I know you're I'm not, not, saying, you're not no, agreeing with here, it. But, I, you're probably but, uh, right, and that probably, probably what is the lawyer what said. they said. Or she might have even said if she really believed that there was a, a, the tiniest shred of hope that this guy actually had her and maybe someday would give her back, she might have said something on the order of, you know, please call me again, you know, I mean, because, uh, you know, that was the only hope that she had, Yeah. you know? Yeah, I think... Uh, their argument, yeah, was basically that, yes, Hank was making these kind of stalking and like really kind of sexual, like bordering on sexual assault calls. Mm. Like what he was saying to her was so really awful and explicit, but it was almost always of like a pretty explicit sexual nature. Mm. And I suspect that, you know, that was part of the prosecution was saying, like, look at all the really messed up things he said. And the defense was like, no, that was part of the game for her. She, she enjoyed she, it. She, she got off on it. in it. She enjoyed it. That, yeah. Or else she wouldn't have kept answering. Right. Yeah. She knew better. Right. Even uh-huh. though the entire uh-huh. time the character of Hal in Hank continued to say, I have her, I have your daughter. And that was the only hope. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't go too far into this because it, it's just like, it's so disgusting. He's, re- he's a real yeah. Jekyll and Hyde, though. If yeah. you think about it, I mean, during uh-huh. the day, he's the mild-mannered, law-abiding, law-enforcing good guy. Yeah. And then at night, he's the evil, evil creep. Well, so yeah. he actually, yeah, he said in, in his admittance to guilt to the police, he said... You know, it would just build in him. He Some sort would, of obsessive compulsive. It would, that he maybe? would just like he would get the urge to like call her, and he could like suppress it for a certain amount of time, and it would just build and build and build. And then he would call her like a couple times a night, and by the end of the call session, he would just be it would be like relieved. Mm. So it was it was a compulsion of some kind. Yeah. it sounds like still kind of so messed like, up. Yeah, it's creepy compulsion. Yeah. yeah. This is something that, you know, thankfully, thankfully, really, I can't get away with. I can't do this. I could just picture I'm making my pervy call, mm-hmm. and then there's this pause. He says, wait a minute. I know your voice. You're that <laughs> podcast guy. <laughs> and you go, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. I no, don't know no, what no. you're talking I don't even know what a podcast is. What's Goodbye. a podcast? 
So I yeah. can't do that. No, you can't. And I don't have cats either. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so on the face of this, right, we can pretty much say, well, he's a creep and a, mm, but he wasn't able to provide any information about Amy that he couldn't have read in the papers, which is true. And also he, the information that he said he provided about her was inaccurate. Um, so he probably didn't kidnap her. So one of the things that I will just say here is that, you know, one of the things that Sue did, of course, was say like, okay, prove it to me. Like, tell me, tell me something that, uh, that only you could know about Amy's body. If you're, if you are, if you do have her and she's your sex slave, Mm -hmm. tell me something about her that only you could know. And this is important because, um, Amy had a pretty gnarly appendectomy scar on her torso that that information was never released. Well, I mean, it is now, but you know, after twenty some years, had yeah. still never been released. And to he the never public. reported the appendectomy scar. And yeah. he did not. He actually said her torso is smooth. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he didn't smoothed her out, right? Right, he smoothed okay. her out. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know, whatever that meant. Um, I don't know. But no, I mean, so so obviously even he then, didn't know anything, right? But on the other hand, it's worth noting that there is a single mention of a Hank in Amy's diary from about six weeks before she disappeared. And it said, quote, Hank says, as soon as I finish school, he wants to take me to South America with him. I told him he's crazy, unquote. Sue and pretty much everybody who was friends with Amy at the time doesn't recall there ever being a Hank Mm. ever. And granted, this is a one-off, like one time somebody mentions it. If you're you're a 17-year-old girl... Uh, you're not going to tell your parents you're dating a guy who's 10 years older than you. Probably. Well, but it's it's also yeah. that I I mean we've read about this in different stories before where when there's somebody that you don't necessarily want to admit that you're seeing or interested in, you give them a code name or a nickname. So Hank is somebody else entirely. Plus, Hank wasn't a isn't an uncommon name. So no. she could have literally known some kid in school who was named Hank saying, I'm going to go to South America and you should come with yeah. me, hot girl. Uh, it would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, pretty much everybody from the area, uh, you know, again, this is just a straw poll, right, of police kind of investigating. It's a small community, Coconut Grove. Mm-hmm. Granted, Miami's large, but Coconut Grove's fairly small, or at least was at the time. It was pretty close-knit. People said, well, I don't really remember there. I mean, I remember this this Henry Johnson Blair guy who did actually kind of live in that area at the time, but I don't really, I don't really remember a Hank. Um, and the other part of that is, since he was the air marshal, he was actually assigned to um, South American roots, so he was spending a lot of time in South America at the time. Yeah. So, so I mean, they're little tiny things. He I might mean, have known her. That doesn't necessarily mean that he uh, might have known her, and he might have her. he might have known her and said he was going to take her to South America, and that was the end of that relationship because she was like, "Wow, you're actually crazy. You're ten years older than me, and you're married." No, and she wrote about in her journal, and that was that. And then she disappeared six weeks later, and you know whatever. I don't put a lot of stock into this, but it is interesting. The timeline for him and his marriage, though, don't yeah, yeah, exactly just, line up. It almost exactly mar- does. He had he just got gotten married, married right before she disappeared. He right? actually he just got married, and um, literally like days before she disappeared, returned from his honeymoon. Well, oh. no. The, see, the timeline there is iffy. It's either he returned two days before she disappeared or he returned the day after she disappeared, depending on you where believe, you find if, the timeline. Depending on if you believe him or his wife. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying that the timeline yeah. is not concrete. Yeah, the way that I've seen it, and again, this could be totally wrong, the, the way that I've seen it is his reporting said, yeah, I, we got back from our honeymoon the day after. Mm-hmm. His wife's reporting, even though she stayed, she seems to have stood by him during this entire time. He spent some time in jail and he's out and they're still together. But she said, no, no, we got back two days before she disappeared. And I, I would say that she's probably the right one because women usually keep closer track of that stuff than yeah, guys do. True. Yeah. Anyway, it's not, um, I don't know. He, he spent two years in jail for a lesser charge. He didn't get charged with the felony charges. He, he, um, got charged with two counts of misdemeanor stalking, spent two years in jail, and then Sue sued him and won a $5 million settlement. 
I wonder how much Civil that she ever collected. I was going to say, I doubt she saw much of that. Yeah, she died of just a few years after yeah, well, that. It, it's so weird to sue an individual for amounts of money that large because there is no way they're ever going to be able to deliver. Yeah, now, I mean, I can agree, but... You know, you've got this outstanding judgment against him, so anytime he makes any money, you know, you, you lawyers step in and take it, but, you know... Okay, yeah. so here's a question. So I know that debt is inheritable. Like, I run up a b- bucket load of credit card debt and have a passel of kids and then keel over. And that, no. that debt is, can, you know, the credit card company can pass that on no, to the children. No, they can't. I mean, they can take it out of your estate, I think. I, no, that's, think. no, they take it out of your estate. They don't they take can't, it. They can't tag the kids with it. Nope. They can't? Nope. Okay, no. well, I, I know some debt is inheritable. And so my question is, well, would this kind of debt be inheritable? It's, no. in, it's inheritable in, in, in as much in that it can be taken out of your estate. So if your estate is worth $5 million uh-huh. and you're $2 million in debt, that comes out of... the two and that's it. Yeah. That comes out of their inheritance, right? But it's my, it's my understanding that unless you take over, like... A mortgage, if, maybe. Right. So yeah. like if they inherited yeah. the house, you inherit that debt okay. because you suddenly become the owner of a house. So you are paying off the mortgage. But it's my understanding. I, I could was, be wrong. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were they were utterly convincing me that, oh yeah, if you know, I've got elderly family, and we were talking about debt, and they were saying, oh yeah, like if they wanted to, they could come after you with that debt. I don't think debt. so. I don't think. I don't Unless think you're possible. somehow like a co-signer on their debt or something. Well, like I that. think this is. Uh, we were talking about if the debt had gone bad, as oh. in, you know, I stopped paying on it for a year, and then I die. Can they uh. then? And turn I don't that think so. collection no. thing around. No, I think they, but, can, they you know, can take it out of the estate, maybe. I'm sure we've but, got yeah. a lot of listeners who I'm sure we're going to get emails yeah, that are going to tell us know. the answer. Yeah. So, okay. so anyway, so Sue you know, died a couple years after that settlement was handed down, but it felt like vindication, mm-hmm. certainly. I, you know, Like I said, I don't necessarily think that Hank kidnapped her no, or any, Amy or anything so. like that but he was just a looney tune sort of yeah. you know one of these guys what do there's, you call there's words parasite, to describe you know? him that are like not a, nice yeah, yeah nothing but, I have to say about him is a nice thing next theory is a real quick one oh the, the twinsies yeah the twinsies so just so everybody knows a few days after uh, Amy disappeared 16 year old twins Charles and Larry Glasser claimed to have kidnapped her and they wanted $30,000 for her, which was a lot of money back then. That's still um, is a bit of money right now. But, uh, but yeah. the police uh, found out that they were lying and then they were arrested for extortion. So uh, it's a, it's People do up. this on, on a regular yeah, basis. It's not, that's Try to take advantage of a situation. And that's yeah. another reason I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, old Henry there was probably not our perp. Same yeah. Thing. Oh, Hank. Because this case, these cases always attract those kinds of people too. You know, he was Frank. He, yeah, he was a, uh, not, not a good man, but I don't, oh. yeah. Anyway, um, no. our next theory is the outlaws slash the pagans slash yeah, the motorcycle some gang. motorcycle gang of some kind. Yeah. This is uh, actually, uh, there was, you know, I was, I'm a little older than you guys. I remember there was sort of a motor, a biker gang scare back in, you know, I, I guess in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was, they were considered ultra scary. They know, were. Uh, and also they were considered like untouchable by police uh, a lot of times. So I don't know why. I don't know it, why either, know, but yeah. so, there's a book about this that Sue co-authored before she passed away. If this is your pet case and you know a lot about this theory or you read the book, or you're really interested in it, go read the book. We officially do not have any time to talk wow. about this. Talk about the full the breadth of that yeah. book. Yeah, but yeah. we're well, going to... She went into great detail about her adventures because she spent she decades looking yeah. for her daughter. She really, really did. And so yeah. we'll talk a little... We'll do like a really, like really high-level overview of this theory. But if it strikes you as an interesting one, feel free to like do more research on it. So, Devin, anyway. this, this theory sounds very familiar. Are you going to explain to people why, in a panic, this theory made you think that you knew this story already? <laughs> no. Please do. No. Please share it. Mm-hmm. You used to be a black girl, You can't get right? out of it now. No. No, this is very similar because we've done another story that's a little like this one. That I uh, wasn't this one, but we did it last time. Devin sent me a panicked message. <laughs> oh, my God, have we done this story? I did. It was like two days ago, too. I was like, it's no. too late to change. Oh, no. my God. There are times when I'll be reading one of these things, and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. 
story. I was like, Wait a second, did we do that a year or two mm-hmm. ago? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. seriously. Yeah, we've been doing it for stop. long enough where it's kind of like you just want to make sure. Listen, yeah. that list for the listeners out on the website is also for us. To it is. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. So, um, one of the other things that happened in Coconut Grove on March fifth, nineteen seventy four, was a massive amount of bikers traveling through on their annual bike week tour. This tour took them from Coconut Grove. Um, through Coconut Grove, excuse me, up Main Highway, then onto the Florida Turnpike, and then up north, and yeah. then and Main Highway was the route the that she took to her country. dad's work, right? Main Highway is the route that Amy was walking along to her father's work, and the Florida Turnpike is where her camera was found a few days later. Right. So that's two hundred and seventy some miles one of north. The, yeah. Uh, Sue got that, got a tip 12 days after Amy's disappearance that somebody from the Outlaws bar- biker gang had kidnapped her. Um, she was able to arrange a meeting through a friend who had done some legal work for them and it ended up being with two men and with Amy and with Ned, I'm sorry, and with Sue and with Ned. So for people who don't know, because I know we went in this detail into detail in, uh, the Lauren Spear Spear episode, but outlaw biker gang is technically classified as what is referred to as the 1% of bikers the ones who are truly the outlaws and the lawbreakers yeah. who do not care and do what do they a lot want of really, yeah. Yeah. they're not law abiding citizens yeah. who also happen to own a motorcycle yeah they're the ones that proudly proclaim that they are part of the 1% uh-huh. and of they the, will like, do whatever really gnarly bike gangs yeah and they will do whatever they want they will police yeah. shoot them yeah. yeah uh they're like cartman i do what i want <laughs> anyway uh this meeting happened with sue's friend and then ned um sue's husband amy's father mm-hmm. and two members of the outlaw gang and sue as well the and uh the men claimed to have not seen amy personally but they did confirm that other gang members had um, frequently kidnapped and sold young women in the past, um, which they called old ladies. Mm. You, thought, yeah, you get that, right? Yeah. Am, yes. I not the, am I the only one that gets no, that? No, I get yeah. it. It's just like... Okay. Anyway, they, would, they often were sold or exchanged for like a credit card or even like a bike. One, one woman came forward and said that um, she had been an old lady for the outlaws for a while, and she was one time traded for a pair of chaps, leather uh-huh. chaps. Uh, that's got to be good for your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Huh? In, yeah. in uh, according to the stories in that culture, it it's women were property, much mm-hmm. like you would see hundreds, if not thousands, of years ago, where yeah. you traded them for stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that's what the, I'm not saying yeah. that's right, but that's what this is this yeah. is saying. And so these two men said they would ask other members about Amy. They never really were able to provide any kind of concrete information. Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of context that she that sue had like this mm-hmm. everything yeah i think i heard something about it i'll get back to you and then you know, stuff like that yeah. I, I what i what i want to know and obviously you can't answer it nobody really can is it this tip that that about about the sue got that somebody from the outlaws had kidnapped her was this a hard tip or was this just somebody who speculated and was thinking hey you know the bikers yeah, are going through town that day i bet the, you know that, you don't know yeah. that, how solid this you tip don't. really is well it may have been solid because uh sue did follow up a little bit here um in 1985 so 10 11 years later uh, a member of the outlaws named paul branch called sue and said that he had been in quote-unquote possession you mean the pagans which, he was which... outlaws I was going to ask here because I've seen I've seen pagans and outlaws, and I frankly okay, I, no I, offense to all of you one percenter biker listeners. I it's all the same. To me. Okay, that's what I was going to ask because I couldn't I couldn't. God, they're going to come really and kill get me. Straight. Mm. Well, hey, now those guys are this, all pretty this old. This file by is now. geotagged yeah. to Joe's house. True. So yeah. we're safe. True. No, I uh, I pretty much just assume. It was the outlaws because most of the reporting I've seen is the outlaws. Okay. But I think it's just kind of like bike week. It sounds like is just like all of the one percenter bike gangs are going through together yeah. and or at least the ones that get, get along. And so it's kind of amorphous on who actually it was. But I'm going to just keep saying they were the outlaws. So okay. Paul Branch, it's a general brand, Paul Branch, I think, was a member for sure of the outlaws. Um, he called Sue or otherwise contacted her and said that he had been quote unquote in possession of Amy in Orlando for a while. He said that he bought her off of someone, 
and that he had treated her well, but that when she when he bought her, she'd been kind of rough around. She'd the edges. been rough, roughed up yeah. a bit, beat up a bit. In general, uh, claims like this would be brushed off, but he was apparently able to identify that scar that we talked about a little earlier on Amy's abdomen from the appendectomy. And again, this was way before anybody would have known that really. My only questioning of that is that if if she says, well, can you identify any special marks on her body? What I would say if I were asked that question and I was just full of BS, I would say, Mm -hmm. well, she had an appendectomy scar. Yeah, yeah, because so that's, the, a, that's you know that's a good there's a good chance she does. So know? this is this is actually also the guy you might have read this in the reading. I didn't yeah. write down the number, but uh, Sue was off was offering a fairly sizable reward. Oh yeah, basically uh-huh. the buying power of like five thousand dollars. And when yeah. Paul Branch contacted Sue, he said, "I don't want the money. Yeah, I just want you to know." what I think I know. Yeah. Um, so I, I do lend a little credence. Again, I don't really know. I think appendectomy scars weren't, aren't, I mean, they're not so uncommon, especially in those days. They're very common. They're yeah. pretty common. So it's yeah. totally possible that it was a different girl altogether. It's also, but... it's also very possible to say, what are common things that you see on somebody who has had any, when a parent says, well, can you tell me this, that any identifying features uh, scars, birthmarks. moles, and birthmarks. Yeah. These yeah. are these are the three yeah. go-tos. And you can say, well, there was that birthmark, and they say nothing. You go, wait, wait, no, it wasn't a birthmark. Was it a mole? Right. So yeah. there are yeah. ways. Wait, was it a scar? Oh, right. a scar! So like... there are ways for him to have gamed the system. But again, he didn't want the money. So it's like, to what end well, is exactly, he gaming but, the system? Uh, let's go back to but, Hank. Let's go back to Henry for a second. They're so totally, what, it's to totally what, different. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but I'm saying that... that Somebody can actually be totally full of it. Absolutely. You know, as Henry but was. It's totally still, different to... You know, I, anyway, and, it doesn't really and, matter. The The whole thing here is that um, it might have been true that she was in Orlando for a while. Uh, the reason that also gives this a little bit of steam is that when Sue did track her there... Um, after talking to Paul Branch and kind of connected with some people, because we talked about she was did this like countrywide tour, Sue, um, over the years, mm-hmm. trying to track Amy mm-hmm. um, and the outlaws, I guess. She questioned a ton of people in Orlando and kind of the surrounding area. And she actually found a convenience store manager who remembered seeing Amy or at least a young woman being escorted by at least two bikers on many occasions the manager remembered one detail about this young woman, and that detail was that she always bought vegetarian vegetable soup, which is an important little factoid because you may remember that Amy was a dedicated vegetarian. Mm. Um, the The convenience store manager said she was never alone. She always had at least a couple people with her. She was always well-guarded, blah, 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 blah. Whether or not this... I mean, you know, the Unsolved Mysteries episode as mentioned about this case they make a big deal about this and the orlando lead and, and they, amy's or and sue's and book makes a big deal about the outlaws thing what, yeah the um uh, one, one of the questions i have about this and you guys maybe can answer this is that uh, i go to veg I, I you know i go to convenience stores but i'm always there to buy like beer and chips mm-hmm and so I have no idea if convenience stores even sell soup. Do they? Yeah. They do. It depends on the, if, if, if it's not a chain convenience store. So if mm. we roll back the clock 20, 30 years, you could go down to the whatever quickie mark. It's, it was much, don't give me that look, Devin. It was much more prevalent back in the day. Like a mom and pop shop? Yeah, the like mom and pop about. kind of I'm shops. giving you that look because literally every convenience store I've ever been in in my entire life has always had at least a couple different cans of soup on the shelf. Oh, no, see, no, okay. that, that's, yeah. I, I go to the 7-Eleven by my house. Well, the 7-Eleven by your house candy is crappy. Chips? Well, that's because the 7-Eleven, I mean, the 7-Eleven by my old house used to have like five or six different kinds of soup. Okay. Brands and etc. I've but only I, seen it on the, the, reason, the kind of the mom and pop shops. The but. reason that that it was interesting was at least you know again on the unsolved mysteries episode of this they interviewed they re-interviewed the convenience store clerk and she said the girl asked me if it was if we had vegetarian soup. Mm-hmm. Now, see, and I, that at one point the woman said, "Well, we don't, we don't." But I find, then got more. And, I find I don't that know. interesting because. 
in other reporting, she's always described as, you know, in this whole biker theory thing, as everybody's, she was always docile and quiet, and there's, you know, these hints that maybe somebody cut her tongue out. So I find it, that's very opposite of, well, of yeah, I mean, reporting. I think the sense that I got, at least again from yeah, this, I mean, was yeah, the store, the mysteries. convenience store clerk was like, uh, you know, she like very timidly said, like, do you have this or whatever? I mean, you know, maybe, yeah, again, we just like this. is well, Yeah, we don't know because yeah. it's it's such a yeah mishmash is the word I'm going to use. Yeah. There's so many conflicting accounts, especially well, in the quote unquote yeah. biker angle. Well, I got to tell you, too, that uh Going, going to, going around, say Orlando, and showing Amy's picture and stuff like that. I have no, you know, you can always contaminate your witnesses mm-hmm. too by just saying stuff. Did you ever see this woman? She might have been with some biker, some really scary biker guys, you know. And she was a vegetarian, and then, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know how the quality of the interrogation that was going on here. Oh, either. for sure, yeah, yeah, and. Um, and also, I kind of question any anybody's memory if they think like, what, how long had it been? Like ten years, five years since this clerk yeah, had seen her? Yeah, a couple her? years, probably at least. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard to imagine seriously unless you got a photographic memory. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, I think the the at least the kidnapped biker gang theory is kind of like a red herring. I kidnapped think. and held forever. Yeah. yeah, I could certainly see some other theory, but the problem I have with this theory is that, um, and the reason I think somebody just kidnapped her and killed her probably. Is that you know? I mean, they would have held her for decades, and it's like, and, and all that time, she would she would have definitely have had opportunities to get away, or to at least pick up a phone and call the police or something. Well, I mean, I know? think that that is kind of what the interview with the other biker gangs and the other women who were old ladies really speaks to is that that's a thing. I mean, you can you can brainwash a person or intimidate them into feeling like they have no other option but to make you happy. And particularly if if it is true that she was with Paul Branch for a while and he he got her really really beat up, it's you know, and especially if her tongue had actually been cut out or anything like that, you know, it's it's not I I mean, it's you just like get victimized. You can get so victimized that you just lose your will or even thought. Using using the term brainwash is very is is kind of a slippery slope because like a Stockholm. That's hard to well, brainwash is hard to actually categorically say this is what it is. Okay, but that's fair. An actual tactic that people that are stealing people to put them into situations of sexual slavery do is they hook them on drugs once you make somebody an addict and you are the only source of their deal yeah they become very compliant and they do what you say when you say and they don't fight back because they need their fix yeah that's true so i i mean that would have i agree i'm still i personally think the long-term theory is is just as viable as somebody stole her and, and shipped her overseas to be a, a slave I in another find, country. I would find that more believable. That she, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, really that's would. pretty yeah. far-fetched. Yeah. That's, that's not so that I, far-fetched. I do have a sub-theory on the Outlaws yeah. biker gang thing, and that is yeah. um, that it's possible that she had been picked up for a party. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if it was bike week... She, you know, she's wearing a short little denim skirt and heels. She's 17. She's a pretty good looking young lady walking, just walking down the side of the highway. A biker pulls over and says, hey, baby, you want to go party? Yeah, maybe. And she thinks, okay, sure. Yeah. You know, oh. whatever. And gets on the back of a bike because there were some reports, again, however tainted, that she was seen on the back of a motorcycle. And, you know, they parked for the night, partied. Something bad happened to her there. And she's now, you know, feeding the gate or was then feeding the gators and yeah. alligators uh, eat people oh, believe it or i not. thought they only lived in sewers yeah no yeah. you're right yeah um but that, uh. you just keep believing that steve um yeah. but i mean that's why I, I don't go in the sewer okay? i think that's i think that's possible that you know something kind of unfortunate like that happened that's that's more plausible i think yeah. you know that yeah. I think uh, that's, that's that's entirely possible. Or there's the random serial killer theory. Yeah, so too. there's one final theory here, and that's the tan truck slash Jeep slash van guy. Because there were a number of reports initially, not after the fact, just initially during the initial search, 
people said, oh, yeah, I think I saw somebody who looked like Amy in a tan truck or van or Jeep, um, you know, along main highway, along that route Mm. or getting in that or, you know, whatever, somehow associated with something like that. And the only reason that that gives me even a little bit of pause is you remember we talked about the camera that was Mm -hmm. found. They developed the film. Which you might have assumed. You were probably actually yelling, oh, like, what did they do with the film? <laughs> yeah. And we were frustrating you. They opened they did... the camera up and they said, what's this? And they just pulled it <laughs> and out. And just pulled yeah. it out like a toddler with like a tape. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they, they developed it. And oh, that's good. Most of, the, most of it was just way overexposed and like totally unidentifiable, whatever. But there was one picture that they could identify, which was a still pretty overexposed but it was an overexposed picture of a tan truck against like a wall. And I have heard through again, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the reporting really is Mm. that maybe Hank Blair had a truck that looked kind of like that. I've heard that story. Or a van that looks kind of like that. that. Yeah. That he had one. Although actually a lot of people had vans. A lot of people still do. Yeah. Or trucks or Jeeps. Do, do either of you know whatever became of the film from uh, that role of film? Uh, And my, here's my reason for asking is that, Technology. Technology. Yeah, you maybe. can scan negatives and do some amazing mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe. That, I mean, I found, listen, I was digging around in my attic. This was a couple of years back, and I found a bunch of old negatives. And some of them you could tell were people, and some you couldn't really tell what the hell they were. And if you put them into a, a film scanner, and then you run them through the gamut, you can pull an amazing amount of it and make exceptional, you can see what there was Mm -hmm. because you can dial it back there's a tonal control that you get digitally that you didn't get from analog film processing i don't know you know the thing about it is is you would think that the film would still be somewhere in evidence but you know on on the other hand the evidence does seem to get lost quite often It does, and film degrades I mean, you know, if it yeah. wasn't stored properly, well, yeah, that's the hard part. Um, yeah. It could have just degraded. They could have somebody could have thought, well, there's no way that this is going to be relevant. I well, mean, you if know, anybody who's connected to it knows, and they find that freaking film, you yeah, need to do get it. it to somebody who can scan it properly. Us, yeah, send it to us. We'll solve the case. Yeah, uh, okay. with film. We'll just, you will. I'll buy. Yeah, well, I'll, we got the money. I'll buy a film scanner. Yeah, <laughs> I've always fine. wanted one. Right? Yeah, yeah. I love fine. film scanners. We'll start a Kickstarter. Oh. It'll be great. Um, no, I mean right. that is the only other kind of theory that's out there. Is Actually, that it just had something to do with this. There is one other theory. Okay. Really? Okay, yeah. Is it Chupacabra? No. Is it? Is it aliens? No, actually, it's not. Is it? Um, it, it is. Are you ready? Yes. Pyramids? No. The Rapture. <laughs> And she, was, she the was the only, only one, one that was qualified. worthy. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I think it was. That's probably true. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a rapture. Okay, yeah. I'm down. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I really, this is one of the few times where I'm going to say none of the theories. Why? Why? I, what do you think happened to her? I mean, I don't think that it was the bikers. I don't think that it was any of the people who were described. Like, I, I mean, Van Guy is the is maybe the only thing because I literally yeah. think that some unknown person picked her up, whether of her own volition or not, and drove away with her, and she is probably in a shallow grave. Oh somewhere. no, that's that's what I think happened. Most likely is that what? It, but and which is horrible. I, I mean, thankfully Sue doesn't have to hear us say that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and, and as as far as the van, I mean, that picture might have been taken some other day. I mean, who knows? Yeah, and, I mean, and, like I said, I, we don't know when yeah. the camera disappeared. If it disappeared with her, if it disappeared yeah. weeks or even months earlier. But, I yeah, mean, I, I totally. I, but I'm with Steve on that. I think it most likely. I mean, you know, again, there's the whole picked up. Take no party, kill, disposed of. That's possible too. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking most likely it was just some, some I, freak who picked her up, murdered her, and she's you know tossed her in the swamp somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. just have to agree. I think, um, you know, unfortunately, again, with a lot of these disappearances, the most merciful thing is that that person, you know, maybe it was a really terrifying couple of hours after they got kidnapped. But really, honestly, I just often hope. Because that, that's better than some, the years of slavery years, decades, yeah. decades of literal torture, right? I yeah. mean, so, you know, and I, I just tend to think if they weren't found, it's it's really likely, especially this long, that she just uh, 
got killed one way or another within a couple days, if well, not a couple yeah. hours. And one of the things I'm curious about is uh, when when did the unsolved mysteries segment air? Oh, it was in the '90s at some point. Okay, and so I guess it had to have been like. Still it was stack. it was between when uh, Ned died because Ned had passed away already, okay, so and when Sue died, and she died she in died the late nineties, I think. Okay, so okay, so um, and I'm sure those things usually touch off a whole avalanche of tips. Yeah, I don't think uh, there was any. There were no updates or anything. On yeah, this, so, so that's one but of the they re- broadcast anyway. But that's another yeah. reason that, that I think, and that I have not heard of anything, any sort of information being dislodged exactly. by the airing of that episode. Yeah, I mean, and, I think if know, she were a alive, a lot of people would have seen her. A lot of bikers would have seen her, and other people yeah. would have seen her if yeah. she'd been held captive for all yeah. those decades. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, I think she's been dead for a long, long time. Since about 1974. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, if you want to see some of the research that we did for this case, or if you want to take a look at that uh, episode list we talked about that keeps us sane, kind of, um, or you want links to merch, because we've got shirts and mugs and some other things, too. Other swag. Yeah. Um, You can find all those things on our website. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. If you want to interact with us in any kind of social way, um, don't do that. That's creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah, call Devin on the phone and it. just don't say anything. Please don't do that. Um, no, you can find us on almost, actually, all the social medias at this point. You can find us on Twitter where we're thinking sideways. You can find us on Reddit where our subreddit is thinking sideways. You can find us on Facebook where we've got a group and a page. So like the group, join Nope. Like the page, join the group. Um, you have to answer two questions. They're super easy. easy. Yeah. Just make sure you answer them. Correctly. Um, you, you know, it doesn't even have to be that correct. I don't know. There's been some. There's been some obviously not correct answers. <laughs> Fair okay, enough. Okay. What is it like? Yes and maybe. Is that what that was? It's yes answer? and Thursday. Oh, okay. Uh, easy. <laughs> That's then. it's easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yet people get it wrong. Oh yeah, they get them real wrong. It's kind of fun actually to see some of the answers. Anyway, we also have an Instagram, and that is Thinking Sideways Podcast, not Thinking Sideways. Yeah, not those other people. No. Who call themselves, you know. Uh, Lawsuit, you thinking, guys? Yeah, I am. I'm yeah. thinking. Uh, yeah. Trademark infringement. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, but anyway, yeah. Not so that not they had it first or sideways. anything. Yeah. It's thinking sideways we made podcast. It yeah. Um, you can also send us an email. The email address is thinking sideways podcast at gmail dot com. That's great for feedback of any kind, and uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere where you're streaming us. You know where you find us. Stitcher. Make That's sure to yeah. make sure to rate and review and you know, do all those fun things. And all of that having been said, I think we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Oh. I'm going to drink a lot to feel less depressed about this story. Oh, vroom, wow. vroom. Yeah. yeah really. Zoom, zoom. Uh, next week, kids. Bye. Bye. See you in Sturges. Boop.